Matthew 6, 53 through 56. It says, When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gesaret and anchored on the shore. When they had come out of the boat, immediately people recognized him, him being Jesus, and ran throughout the surrounding region and began to carry the sick on the beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and pleaded with him that they might touch even the fringe of, the, of his garment. And this is where I want to take my text from tonight. And as many as touched him were healed. And as many as touched him were healed. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We pray for your anointing. Lord, we need you. As the song says, we need you, Lord Jesus, to come. I pray you wash us and cleanse us and keep our mind and our hearts focused on you and focused on what you're doing, Lord. We just want to love you and praise you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. And so I want to talk to you tonight about touching Jesus. I want to talk to you tonight about, even more important than that, I want to talk to you tonight about us touching Jesus. I think that in our everyday life, it's so important and it's so, it's so just absolutely imperative that we as a people touch Jesus daily. I don't think that, I think sometimes we think about touching him. I think it's funny that if you read this story, the first thing I want to point out is they came in the village and if they would have just stood within 60 feet of him, they would have never been healed. And I think a lot of times we come into church and I think we sit here and it's, you might be guilty tonight right now. You've come here You've heard a worship song. If you don't touch Jesus, then you came and nothing happened. Those people, how silly would they have looked if they found out what village he was in. They came and they just stood there and watched other people touch him. I promise you, knowing human nature, there were people there that did not. They had insecurity. They had egos. They had, you want to name it. Why do we not touch him sometimes? When God's moving, there's a lot of times we're sitting in the pews and we know God's telling us to move, but we don't touch Jesus. We don't move to him. We don't get close enough to him. We sit on the fringes and watch him do wonderful things for people and we ourselves never interact. We say we're too tired, we're too this. I promise you, nobody is too tired to touch Jesus. Because if I said right now to everybody that's sitting there thinking they're tired, I've got a million dollars to the first person that touches that flower, all of a sudden fatigue moves. It just moves right on over. That, it's you. It's what you desire. Sometimes he needs to touch you because you have no desire. You know, I, I've been really praying the theme that seems to be coming from the pulpit is desperation and getting what you desire and if your desire's broke, then you need to touch the Lord Jesus. And really, you need to have Him touch you. And how does He touch us? He touches us through His Word. You read His Word, and when you think about His Word, and you, I'm telling you, there's an attack on the church. If you read, the Bible says in the last days there'll be a famine, and it will not be a famine of food. It'll be a famine of hearing the Word of God. There is a famine going on in our land, where people are listening to sermons, but not hearing the word of God. They're not applying it. It's not speaking to them. It's not what I'm talking about. It's not touching them. Does that make sense? The word of God has to touch you, and it has to get you and move to you. And that's how I'm telling you, if you ask people how much time they honestly spend in the word of God, 
it would make everybody in here sad. And you know what's really sad? There are some people that spend so much time, they would bring the average up a little bit. But if you cut off the person that spends the most time and then you averaged it, you would be surprised this room right here probably averages two to three minutes a day. Guarantee you. We're not going to make it. You're not going to make it on two or three minutes a day. And you can't say I don't have time. You've got more than two or three minutes a day for the word. You, maybe you need him to touch you and restore the word. And listen, we talked about a hearing of the word. I want to show you a few things. Three things I think that God showed me. Austin always makes fun of me because I never preach three-part sermons. So I texted him today. I said, I've got a three-part sermon. It's, <laughs> take notes because it's not going to happen probably another 20 years. So the first point he needs to touch, Luke 22, 47 through 52. Now, when you first read this, you're going to be like, what is he talking about? It says, while he was yet speaking, a crowd came, and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, do you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? When those who were around him saw that he would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. That was Peter, by the way. But Jesus said, this is enough. Now look, my text, where I want to go with this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Amen. The first, thing I, first point tonight is he needs to touch our ears. The Lord Jesus needs to touch our ears on a daily basis. See, I grew up old school Pentecostal where people would pray for you and they would come up to you and they would say, Lord, I pray that you consecrate his ears, that he would only hear your voice, that he would not hear the devil's voice. Man, I've had that prayed over me so many times with power and authority, that Lord, he would only hear what you're speaking to him. Nowadays, how often do you hear that? People don't, I try to still pray that over people. People I don't even think have been, you, you learn a lot of things that aren't just traditions that are actually powerful from the generation before. And if there's a gap there, then it falls off. Happened to Israel. They didn't even, there was a generation that row up that knew not God or neither the things that did God. The generational gap, it destroyed Israel for a long period. The first thing we need to make sure of is that the Lord is daily touching our ears. That we're not listening to garbage. That we're not listening to gossip. We're not listening to, I'm telling you, some of you don't believe me and I've preached it forever. Your secular music does more to your spirit and your soul then you have ever any idea that it does. And you say, well, it's okay and it's acceptable. That's why he says cast off those weights and those sins that easily beset us. It might not be a sin to you yet, but it'll weigh you down to a place where you're, it's hard to go from the secular environment of the world to come in before a holy God and his holy book and hearing from him. It's the same way he says you can't be lukewarm. You can't have a good flow of hot and a good flow of cold, and live a powerful life. And that's where we really want to live. We want God's blessing and God's benefit of hot, but we also want to do what we want to do when we want to do it. He's got to touch our ears. He's got to consecrate them, which means set them apart. Where we're tuned to hear. He says, speak, Lord, a servant heareth. When's the last time you got alone and just said, speak, Lord? I'm here. I'll tell you something. Nine times out of ten, that audible voice can be missed. There are spirits that cause division and cause all kinds of problems. 
Most people want God to speak to them through some kind of audible voice. That way does not work because the devil can twist it 90 times out of 10. The way that he wants to speak through you is right here. This can't be twisted. He speaks loud through here. Get along with this book and say, speak, Lord, your servant hears. Samuel couldn't do that. Anybody want to say, guess why? <laughs> Hadn't been written yet. <laughs> the Pentateuch was probably in, in going down, but he couldn't just say, get along with a whole book of God's promises and God's voice. Why do we call it the word of God? Yeah. It's a holy book. And just say, God, speak to me. Just tell me who I am. I can't tell you the times that I saw passages in this book in times where I got alone with them that jumped off the page at me. And they, they're, they're building blocks of my life. And, and you know what? I've spent a lot of my time trying to hear the audible voice of God. Listen, you'll never hear God speak to you if you don't ask, first of all. Has God spoke to me and give me impressions many times? Does the sheep know his voice? Sure it does. But the sure way to know his voice is right here. Through the word. Now, has he spoke to me? Many times. You can ask Bethany. There's been many times where I wake up in the morning and say, God spoke this to me. The Bible says those things are spiritually discerned over time. You got to be careful because the Bible also says, try the spirits to see whether they be of God. I went on a fast one time thinking I was going to earn God. And I was 42 days into a fast. When our pastor, senior pastor, caught me and said, you're stopping this fast. The devil has got your body broken down and he's telling you you're going to fail God and he's putting this pressure on you. If you, don't, if you don't get back to eating, I lost like 40 something pounds. And he was like, more, Bethany says more than that. I lost so much weight. And the devil was telling me because I was broken down and my body wasn't working that, man, you're just pleasing God if you eat. You're just pleasing God. That's not our father. And he said to me, our senior pastor at the time said to me, you're fasting longer than Jesus did. That's wrong. You know what he did? He drove me to Jack's that morning and we ate and I broke the fast because I realized it's by grace and not by works. Have there been times where God spoke to me when I first got here? He spoke to me and he spoke to that same senior pastor and told he I didn't know it. He didn't know it. The same day we started a fast when we started to grow here. And he told me only water. And I went a certain time with only water. And it was a biblical fast. And it was a holy fast. And I'd heard from God. you got to be careful trying the spirits to see if they be of God. Especially if you're tired, worn down, weak. And see, the devil wanted me to keep fasting because I didn't have my wits about me. I ate that biscuit that day and that gravy that day. And all of a sudden, I started feeling more like myself. And I probably have gone too far the other way. But I see people all the time do stuff. It doesn't say your spoken word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. It doesn't say that. It says your word, solid, is forever established. It is a, thy word, O oh God, is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. We got to hear his word again. We got to accept his word again. Listen, you know how you'll get to hear God's voice speak to your heart and lead you? You got to have a desire for him to touch you. I, I do want every member in here to hear God tell them they love them. If you've never heard God speak that to your heart, then you're missing a walk with God and you don't have it because you simply haven't asked for it.
I love teaching people that. When I started seeking God to speak to me and tell me that I'm his, and yes, he began to show me wonderful scriptures, and those were just as good as him speaking, but yes, there came a time where God spoke to me. God is alive. He has a mouth. We're made just like him. People are like, God, is this floating? No, no, no. You want to know what God looks like? He looks like a human, but he's all powerful because we're made in the image of God. He has ears. It's in the scripture. He blows out of his nostrils. The voice of God speaks. He, he says he set his forehead against us. His hand moved. He looks like us. Except he's holy, way holy. He's set apart. But he's got a voice. He'll speak to you. Why in the world would we serve a God that don't speak? But our ears have to be open. I'm not hearing from God. It could be that you've put too many other things in your ears that you can't hear him anymore. What do you need him to touch you? Listen, if you've ever got to a place where my little secular music spill bothers you, that you can't lay your secular music down for him, you, don't, you need a new encounter with him. There's nothing worth holding on to that you can't hold him. That's true about a lot of things. And if, especially nowadays, I'm amazed. When I was in youth, you had like Sandy Patty. It was like he went from secular music to Sandy Patty. Like, that was your cutoff. Nowadays, there's wonderful Christian music out there. There's tons of bands. You, want, you can type in Google right now and say, I like Mumford and Sons, and it'll give you seven bands that are Christian lyrics that sound just like them. All that is is folky music. God, God I'm telling you, it, it's out there. You just got to want it. Hear him. Listen to me. Hear him. He's got to touch you every day, though. You got to ask him to touch your ears. We cool there? Point one. Have we established point one? Let's look at point two. What else he has to touch? Matthew 20, 29 through 34. As they departed from Jericho, a large crowd followed him. There were two blind men sitting there by the road. You have already guessed what he's got to touch now. When they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Have mercy on us, Lord, son of David. The crowd rebuked them. They should be silent, but they crowd out even more. This fits right with the theme of what everything God's telling us is that we have to be desperate to get him to touch us. That's, our, that's If I've ever heard a word that God's speaking to our church in this hour. You guys with me? He's telling us you got to get loud. you got to get desperate. These guys didn't just say it, even though the crowd shuts them down. We've got to get to a place. I've seen in my life many times, and this is not part of my sermon, but it's good right here. Many times in my life that one person in the church made the difference. One person, the whole crowd was ready to go to lunch. The whole crowd was ready to go to bed that night. And that one person continued to press in and God moved for the whole church. Same thing with these guys. Everybody told them to be quiet and they got louder. They got more desperate because after all, what does it really matter what the crowd says when you're blind and you can't see? They could care less what the crowd said. We got to get there. We, gotta, we can't care less what other people think. And then they said the best thing you can ever say to the Lord, have mercy on us. Oh, thank God for his mercy. Oh, Lord, you son of David. And look what happened. Jesus stood still and called them. What do you want me to do for you? Which I think is a great question. Because that, you don't think Jesus knew what they wanted? 
He asks us questions all the time to get us to really dig inside us. What do you really want? Verse 33. They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them. I'm so thankful that he does. Every single day for the rest of your life, you need to remember that if you'll call to him to touch you, that day he'll touch you because he'll always have that compassion on them. And he touched their eyes. That's very weird because a lot of times he just spoke the word and they opened. He touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight. And guess what? Now they could follow him because they could see. So the second thing I want to tell you that God has to touch is your ears first and now your eyes. He's got to touch your eyes. I don't care if you've been following him for a long time. It is so easy to lose sight of the Savior. It's so easy to get your eyes on this world and the things of this world and your everyday life. The guys at work are helping me with a diet and they're talking to me about I got to plan out for seven days and I got to go to Publix. They're going to help me eat all these groceries. And it's so easy to think about, you know, you're eating tuna with hot sauce and all this stuff they're wanting me eating, which is so weird. But they're they're wanting me. And if I'm not careful, even with all that great motivation for me, they have I can get focused on anything other than the kingdom. And it's my eyes get distracted. My eyes get to looking just like Peter. He's, he's sitting there doing something no human being has ever done. He's walking on the water in the middle of a storm. And he forgets where he is. Happens to believers all the time. They're doing things that their family never thought they would do. That people never said they would do. They're living holy lives they never thought they would have. And they're doing the impossible with the help of God. And for a split second, that storm, the lightning flashes. Or we have a trial come our way. And our eyes get focused and we sink. Listen, all he had to do was get his eyes back on Jesus and cry, help me. Once again, the compassionate Jesus reaches down, touches his eyes. I see single people all the time. They get their eyes on females. They get their eyes on the male. They get their eyes on their mate. They get to looking for something in life that they don't think they have. And they forget the whole time. Jesus Christ, according to Colossians, if you believe it, is absolutely the completion of everything you need. In him dwells the fullness of God. Every You are made by him and you are made for him. Me and Bethany celebrate 10 years of marriage tomorrow. It's the longest 10 years of my life. <laughs> I was not made for her and she was not made for me. And I've heard people say that. And, and we are one flesh. But let me tell you, the truth is we were made for him. And as we are one this way, it helps down here. It makes this perfect down here. And that's where people get their eyes wrong. I've seen people get focused on the dumbest things and it sidetrack them. It's not dumb to them because it's true. There's some things I've gotten focused on y'all would think is dumb. But to me, it wasn't dumb. And the same for you. You've got focus on things. You know, I told somebody the other day, by the grace of God and a praying mom, I dodged a lot of the wrong chicks in my life. I got my eyes focused on the wrong chicks. And that's the true statement. That's why I pray for our single guys all the time. I pray for our single ladies all the time. Because it's so easy as you get your eyes, you don't get it on the opposite sex. You get it on your friends that have families and have babies and you see them holding hands and you miss the three-hour fight the week before and the day before. But you only see the good things. Oh, some of y'all haven't been married yet. Some of y'all have been married enough you're just still smiling, but you know I'm telling the truth. 
Yeah, you miss those fights. And the, de the devil gets your mind focused on what you don't have. Adam and Eve had the whole stinking planet. And one tree, one little tree, we're here today. Instead of walking for eternity in the garden. Right? Prove it. I can tell you why. At the end of all age, he's going to make a new earth. And we're going to have dominion and reign over it. Because if the devil could beat God in one point, he can beat him in all. God is absolutely not immutable. And he's no longer all powerful. If the devil can sidetrack him. So in the end, when Christ restored us all, we're going to all be restored. And we're going to be exactly how God intended it on Garden of Eden. It's so cool if you study Revelation. He's, going to, he's never going to let the devil beat him. We always triumph in Christ Jesus. And so get your eyes back. I've seen people get their eyes on the new car. And they become obsessed with the car. It's a stinking piece of metal on rubber wheels. You know, Sunday night I talked about giving thanks. Sometimes even with your hoopty, you got to give thanks. It still cranks. It still runs. Man, some of those times when I was a kid, when I was 16 and 17, I'd be thanking God. I was thanking Him for an 88 Camry that was 12 years old that didn't have a muffler. You could hear me coming for 10 miles away. It ran. It was, it, I didn't pay for it. It was free. I was thankful. We get so focused on what we don't have. You've got to let God heal your eyes every day. Listen, I'm telling you, it's called clickbait. And me coming from a degree from UAB in marketing and how they, they get you, they want to see what you're Google searching. And then all of a sudden, every place you go on your cell phone, you're seeing it. Man, Facebook just showed me that pair of shoes I was looking at. How did it know I want to see this? This must be God. You're right. <laughs> It's called an algorithm. It picked up what you saw and its face is coming after you. And if you're not careful, you think that doesn't have an effect on you. They've done the science on it. They know it has an effect on you because the, the devil's behind the spirit of this world and the now and the here. And he absolutely knows from Adam and Eve, I can trip these people up if they can see it. All Eve said was, Oh, she saw that it was good. Was it good? It was terribly wrong. But she saw that it was good. Her perception was wrong. I think it's so funny. A friend of mine did their Bible devotion on Genesis today. And she said her little son spoke up and said, Mommy, why was Adam so quiet when the devil was talking to Eve? So that's a good boy. That's a sermon right there. Silent husbands. Anyways, we're not going there. But your eyes, you got to get your eyes right. Man, you can start looking at houses, what you don't have. I follow, follow this thing on Facebook called Modern Farmhouse. And I look, get over it, I'll follow it. I'm probably the only guy on there. But I get ideas on there and I follow it. And I start to see these things and I'm like, this is incredible. Maybe we could do this. And then I get to thinking about, how we could do this. And the next thing I know, my mind's running down this rabbit trail that should have been slammed shut a long time ago. So I'm just being honest with you. You know, sometimes I'm thinking, what do these people do for a living? How is your living room worth $50,000? Like, you have to be married to a surgeon. You know, so I'm like, that, you know. Anyways, as I digress, your eyes. How do affairs start? 
Yes, the eyes. How, how does pornography start? It didn't, it don't just start raw. It's like a kiddie pool that goes to a deep end. You have to shut the eyes from no evil thing at the beginning. You start looking and saying, man, look how nice that husband is to that wife. I wish I had that. I wish my guy was like that. Oh man, you better watch that path. You better be careful about that path. That'll get you. And you know what the words of this says back to hearing? And many mighty have fallen and have never recovered. It will take you to a path. The grass is never greener. Water where you stand. If you're single, water where you stand. Do everything you can do to promote your singleness. Does that make sense? Maybe that's not a word. I, but it makes sense to me. Do what you can do. Do what you can do now. Right? Your eyes, they'll get you. They'll get you. Some people say, my eyes are bigger than my stomach. You ever heard that? See, people will indulge in sin like that. They'll think they'll see what they want. And they'll think that's what they really want until they take a bite of it and they'll realize they had absolutely no idea that they wanted that and they'll get full on it quick. He's got to touch your eyes. He's after your attention. The enemy is. Your flesh already is, your, is worn against you. It wants. It craves. Just like a toddler. It craves what it wants. You have to mortify your deeds, the Bible says, on this earth. Now, either y'all really tired or we need to continue about our eyes because we're looking at things we're not supposed to. But make sure your eyes are healed. He goes to the church at, I think it's Laodicea. It might be Ephesus. It doesn't matter. It's one of the two churches, Revelation chapter 2 or 3. You can follow it. And he says, anoint your eyes with eye salve because your eyes are completely focused on the wrong stuff. Your eyes have lost. Look, we can be in this church and our eyes can be focused on the wrong things. We can worry more about how this looks up here and how perception and we can worry about crowd. Listen, this church started with 23 people almost 20 years ago. I'm so thankful I was part of it. And let me tell you, what got the church growing, and if the Lord doesn't change my mind, Sunday morning we're going to talk about how this church established and how it started and how we grew to what we are today. And we're going to talk in depth about it, ne it came with 23 of us desperate for God, wanting to see God move. And we had some of the greatest services we've ever had with 23 people. Don't get your eyes on the crowd. True. The crowd will come with the glory. It's the cloud, not the crowd. My, one of my mentors, I can't tell you, Lucas is smiling. He says that all the time. Brother Frost, it's the cloud. It's his glory, not the crowd. Listen, do I want this place filled with people that are hurting and broken? Are just people that are looking for a church to lift up their voice to God? Absolutely. But if we're not careful, we'll focus our eyes on that and not having his presence here. What's it matter if this place is packed out and it's dead? I have a friend that texted me not too long ago. It was probably about six or eight months. Could have been longer because my mind's weird. And he, he was at a church service and the place was packed out. Probably hold about 900 people. And the choir was full, and the worship team was crushing it. And he said he was standing there because he went to Evangel. 
And he's used to us lifting our hands and magnifying God and getting with it on worship. And he said the people were sitting down during worship. They were just sitting there, staring like they were being entertained. And he texted me and said, you could write Ichabod on the door because the glory of God has departed. They're talented. They're singing away. I got a text tonight before I came in here from a friend of mine, a guy named Bob Goff, who preaches at Hillsong and preaches all this. And his books are all love, love, love. God is love. God is love. This guy tweeted out to him and said, hey, I'm same-sex marriage. I'm about to marry my husband. And I want to know what excerpt from your book, Love Everybody, that we should be have read in our, in our service, like in our service for our wedding. And instead of this guy taking a biblical stance, he gave him a scripture to back up same-sex marriage, which didn't back it up at all because the scripture doesn't back up same-sex marriage. And what's happening, we're, we're putting our eyes on all the wrong things, even concepts that seem right, back to hearing in your eyes. They go hand in hand. Because what you're hearing, and see, I noticed this guy's book title was Love Everybody. Listen, we do love everybody. But the problem is you can't take it to the extreme. You can't go overboard with it. I, I was, you'll see me on Facebook tonight. I'll make sure that I will address the topic very clearly. That how can we in the church have lost our conviction on even marriage? Me and my brother were talking tonight about marriage is the first covenant. When Sean was talking, marriage is the first covenant established. You know, we, we've lost it. It's because our eyes wander. We get to seeking crowds and we get to seeking people. We don't want to offend anybody because our eyes are. Listen, if you serve Jesus, offense comes. It offend, this word offends me all the time. And I have to tell God I'm sorry and I am not in line with it. If this word doesn't offend you, listen, I'm telling you all. If you were here Sunday night, I haven't talked about it much, but, to, but Sunday night, my sermon went from thanksgiving to a word of warning. I felt it in my heart that there, if you're sitting here speaking of your ears and God's not talking to you or correcting you, you need to start talking to him quickly. You need to say, God, whatever's in my life that's got my ears clogged or my heart clogged, I want to be your child, which means I want you to speak to me, right? Okay, I know, it's, I know we're going long. The last thing I want, I want to see God touch. This is the hardest one. Isaiah 6. And JT went to sleep, speaking of us. And I said, woe is me, for I'm undone, because I'm a man of unclean, what? Lips. Uh-oh. So y'all thought ears were hard, which they are. Eyes are harder. But we're going to finish on the hardest. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes, there's your eyes, have seen the king. I want you to see the flow of this. He heard him in the temple. If you, I stopped it. And then, like before that, I started kind of deeper. All of a sudden, his eyes now are fixed on God. And once he starts to hear the holy things, 
and from the word. Then he begins to see what God sees. By the way, God doesn't touch us every morning so that we can have good hearing and good eyes and now a good mouth we're going to talk about so we can keep it to ourselves. He's trying to get us whole as a person so that we can be a benefit to the kingdom of God. I feel like so many times in the house of God, people are coming just to make it. Like the water's here and they're trying to tread through the world and try to tread and make it. I'm just trying to make it to the weekend and it's here. He, he called us to an abundant life. If you're not reading this in the scriptures, you're living below what God promised because you're not letting him touch you on a daily basis. You have to be deliberate with it. You have to ask God, I want you to touch my eyes. I want you to touch my ears that I hear from you. But I also, now that I've seen you and I've seen your ways and I see how people that are broken and people that are wounded, that's what we're here for. I want to be a part of it. I want to speak your gospel truth. And then look at what he does. How does he fix it? Verse 6. The one of the seraphims flew to me with a live coal, which he had taken with tongues from off the altar in his hand. Verse 7. And he laid it on my mouth. This has touched your lips. Look, the Lord's speaking. He touched his lips. So the Lord clearly wants to touch our ears. He wants to touch our eyes. And he wants to touch our lips. He wants our mouth to proclaim the good. Listen, Being unthankful and ungrateful and critical is absolutely such an easy habit to fall into. But being thankful and blessing is the same easy if you let the Lord every morning touch your mouth. The problem is, you can put that down. The problem is, if you don't have your ears hearing and your eyes seeing, you can't speak it because it's not in your heart. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name forever. Let us taste and see that the Lord is good. If you don't have his word in your mouth, I'm telling you, you're going to be cynical and critical and your mouth's going to, you can't have gossip coming out of your mouth if you've been letting the Lord touch it all morning. He heals you. Isaiah acknowledged, I have a sinful mouth. And we can go into all the deep meanings behind that, but let's keep it right here on the surface. The surface meaning and surface takeaway is, he says, Lord, touch my mouth. I want you to see, we stop reading, but you can, most of you know, and if you don't, you can keep reading. Once God cleans his mouth up and his eyes are back on the holy and he's hearing again from God, then he says, I got a question for you. I love God's questions. Who's going to go for us? He's asking us the same thing. Why are you sitting in church from week to week, treading water, barely making it, when he's called you every morning to work? Listen, turn jocks off and turn it in silence and begin to talk to him. Turn on some worship music and begin to talk to him and say, I need you to touch me. He's compassionate. He wants to. If you feel like the Lord don't want to touch you and bless you, that's a lie from hell. His hand's on you and he's with you and he wants to encourage you. But you've got to ask him to touch you. Everyone that he touched in our opening text, it says he healed them all. He will touch you every morning, every night if you need it. Sometimes I need to go in the bathroom at work and get along with God for five or ten minutes and say, Lord, I need you to touch me. Just standing in front of the mirror. And I guess I care a little bit what people think while I'm in there. I turn the water on the sink like I guess they think I'm washing my hands. And I just tell them for five minutes, I need you to get my mind right, my heart right. I need you to focus me. Touch me. That's what I'm saying. And, and today, listen, I, I had something totally different planned. And like in 10 minutes this morning, God began to lay this on my heart. And then at my lunch break, he began to show me the three ways he wants to touch us. 
Every day, though, you've got to get this. This is not a Sunday morning or Wednesday night touch. This is a daily touch. Because daily, Paul said, I die daily. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ. And the life now I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who what? Love me. That's the key to the touch. Some people have such a weird view of God that they don't even think he wants to touch them every day. Who love me. And how do I know he loved me? He gave himself for me, the last part of the verse. Paul said, I die daily. I have an encounter where he touches me every day. Listen, some of you are like, what's missing in my life? A touch from God daily. You need a touch. You need a touch. Just let him touch you. We used to sing an old song. We need to sing it again, Lucas. He touched me. And oh, the joy that flooded my soul. Something wonderful happened. And now I know he touched me and did what? He made me whole. And I did not sing that even close to right. But you know what I'm saying. Oh, he touched me. Oh, he touched me. We used to sing that song. There were songs about, why pass me not, O gentle Savior. While on others you are calling, do not pass me by. We used to sing that. I remember as a kid thinking, man, Jesus is walking around this place. Don't pass me by either, Lord. I don't want to be passed by. If you're walking down these aisles, I just hear preachers say that. He's walking up and down the aisles. I thought, Lord, then touch me. That's, he wants us to be like kids again and experience his presence and his touch. I mean, that's really all I've got. According to Austin, this is a perfect sermon because it's three points. It's probably easier to follow than most of the other ones. I'll give you that. I love Austin. He's one of my iron sharpens iron brothers. Listen to me. Starting tonight, let him touch you. Let him break your routine. If you're in a dry spell, it's your routine. I'm telling you right now. Your routine's causing it. I can't tell you how many times people would come to me with problems. And I would never tell them this because the Holy Spirit has to show people this. But I would think to myself, they have a word problem. They're wanting them to come down here and us dump some oil on their head and lay hands on them. And it fix. But see, when they leave, they're not fixed because they're not going to deal with their routine. They're not going to make time for this. Oh, we need grace for that. I guarantee you. But you've got to ask for grace. Ask, but listen, if every night before bed you watch TV for an hour as you fall asleep, he might start talking to you about that routine. Cut that thing off. Be still in front of him. It's back to that desperate thing. Man, I used to love God, but my life got so busy. I don't know if your life got so, so busy or that you got so much money, you got too many toys. Boy, that just popped in my head. Our toys will keep us from God. Some people say, I'm not rich. No, you need to go look at what makes you rich. If you make over $35,000 a year as a combined income, you're rich compared to the world. You're, you're loaded. Sobering thought, isn't it? 
how rich we are. I'm rich, I'm increased with goods, I have need of nothing. Know you not that you're naked and you're blind and you're miserable. I counsel you, buy me gold, tried in the fire. Put some myself on. Heal your eyes. He wants to do that tonight. Everybody stand. We're going to close in prayer. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We ask you tonight, Lord, that you help us to believe for you on a daily touch. God, even tonight as we lay down, I pray that you touch every person here, touch their eyes and touch their ears and touch our mouths, God. Oh, I pray that we have that holy encounter with you, Lord. Lord, that you're so compassionate. You are so eager to touch us and to speak to us, God. I pray that our ears would be open, God. Show us the places in our life where we're clogging our ears, Lord. Show us the places in our life where our eyes are focused on the wrong thing. And Lord, show us where we're talking the wrong talk. Instead of talking faith, Lord, we're talking doubt and fear. Lord, we just love you tonight. We thank you for your compassion. We thank you for your mercy, Lord. I pray, God, for a fresh touch. But God, not just a one-time touch, but Lord Jesus, a daily touch. Your daily touch to make it in these last days. Bless your people with peace, God. Let your face shine upon us. Oh, God, lead us and guide us. Bring us back here Sunday, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Oh, we praise your holy name. And all the church says, amen. Amen.